0: Bam bam bam, bam, da 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 da, bam, 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 yourself
1: It's Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make lifestyle class. (laughs) Um, I'm Lisa Linky. I'm Misty
0: Stinnett. We are
1: each halves of a whole on your journey of self-help book discovery. Not self-help discovery, self-help book discovery. Okay,
0: I want everyone listening to know that as Lisa's doing this intro, she's making full eye contact with me, but what are you doing with your hands, Lisa? How
1: dare you? What are you doing? What are you doing with your hands? How dare you call out what I'm doing?
0: No, I'm hands. impressed because you know. you're doing it. You're not even looking at it. I'm knitting. Lisa's full on
1: knitting. I learned how to <laughs> knit this last year. My friend Nancy Lenehan, who I am, um, who I am on the show, uh, bless this mess with. Yeah. She is an amazing knitter. She's been knitting for decades. I just missed you. Took a picture. Took a picture. I <laughs> taught me how to knit i said Can, will you teach me how to knit and she like ah. stopped in her tracks and was like don't fuck with me and i was like i'm not fucking with you and she's like i will teach you i will i will harass you and i was like it's so much fun so she bought me um cute little knitting earrings for christmas it was so cute knitting like, earrings they're gorgeous this woman birdie parker designs made them and like one is a um garter stitch and one is just like the uh, i forget what the other stitch is um but they're gorgeous i'll wear them you'll see and speaking of i'm holding cute little earrings because somebody gave me cute earrings for my birthday.
0: I may or may not have given Lisa earrings. Um, okay.
1: Anyway, the point is, is I learned a new skill. It was really fun and you can learn to knit too.
0: Okay. The last thing I want to say, Nana's taught me to knit at least three times and then I keep forgetting, but because I don't do it on a regular basis, Heather, my older sister, is a very good knitter. Yeah. I don't know if Jen has tried my younger sister, but one of my the most satisfying things I've yeah. ever done yeah. is arm knitting. So you can look mm. up a video mm-hmm. on YouTube and just type in, I think Michael's Crafts does a tutorial, but you use your arms in a thick chunky yarn it's instead heavy. of the knitting needles. Yeah. Well, you can also make like a blanket in an evening or like yeah. a scarf in yeah. about thirty minutes because it's big stitches, big scarves. Yeah. It is so satisfying. The only thing is, make sure you pee first because there was definitely a situation where my arms were yeah. covered in thread and stitches. Yeah. And I, I was just in it till it was done. <laughs> You're in it to win it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Here's the deal, guys. You have found the best. And possibly only comprehensive Uh self-help book review podcast.
1: Now we can say the best because there are no clinical studies that show that we're better. So we Yet, are the best. We are the best. And, the most listened to. And the most popular. The most widely uh, adored.
0: By you listening to this, you're part of a group of elite people <laughs> trying to improve their lives. And if you
1: send ninety nine ninety five right now. <laughs> just kidding. To
0: Fairfax Village Studios. That's right. In um, Hollywood. <laughs> uh,
1: where we are joined by the inimitable <laughs> Matt Sapp. Send it. Yes. please. Send it. Please send it. Um every week we read and review a popular or not so popular self-help book at Book. Yeah. And we Bye. bring you the hits. The tips, the the lows, the terribles, and um, either help you learn if you want to buy the book or if you want to avoid the book, but give you the main gist of of what the author is trying to say Um, through a critical or call call them out if they're trying to wear
0: you down and make you feel like (laughs) shit so that you buy more of their stuff. Yeah,
1: we we really put a critical and loving lens through it as an introductory uh, uh, primer. I'm Lisa. I'm from the Midwest. I hate self help. That's Misty. She's from literally the sunshine state. It's
0: the it's the north of the South, so it's basically Midwest. Literally
1: the Sunshine State, and she loves self help and she's really good at finding um a beautiful well,
0: just be happier. Great and more fulfilled well, and more self actualized. I don't such a it's such a simple thing. I
1: don't. Um so we cuss and we um talk about this is how we talk. This is how we talk because yeah. we're just fucking amazing women. Um and everybody says so. Um <laughs> and Misty, uh yeah. what have you brought for us this week?
0: Okay, so
1: I can't y- believe we haven't done this author yet.
0: I know, and you know, I can't resist. So, so I tend to <laughs> love practical Patty stuff, practical Pat,
1: uh-huh.
0: um, as opposed to woo woo. Wanda or New Age Nan. Thank We're you. We're trying to be a little more gender-new thought. New thought Nan. So. New thought Nan. <laughs> so I am bringing us the number one New York Times bestseller, The Nine Steps to Financial Freedom, Practical and Spiritual Steps So You Can Stop Worrying. Okay,
1: bye. Susie Orman. Thank you. Thank you. She is like the number one finance bookseller. She
0: Yeah, she really uh, is wildly prominent. Which we'll get. I'm about to tell (laughs) you all about the author. Um, Full disclosure: this book was published on December fifth, two (gasps) thousand. So it's twenty years old, which I didn't realize. And she has get it a cane. She has it can barely walk. Oh my god! (laughs) Um, She has so many bestsellers that I texted you and was like, "Which Susie Orman book do I choose?" Because she's got everything from like (laughs) retirement. I I think I said it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. I
1: think I'm gonna be honest with you. I think they're all the same. I think she's just I repackaging. Think prob-
0: I think they probably are. A lot of them as she, it, it's, <laughs> they seem to be through her lens a lot, or maybe she's realized her audience. But the last few she's published have been a little more focused on retirement. Oh, she's now 68, um, and is yeah. set for
1: life. Um, yeah, for sure. I will say that I noticed while knitting, a lot of my midwestern is gonna come out. They're all the same.
0: They're all the same. All her books are the same. And you know what? But there's a casserole to love for everyone. Oh, you know what I want is a nice big tater tot casserole. Tater tot casserole. It's delicious. Is that a thing?
1: You're not from the Midwest.
0: Listen, I had tuna casserole. Look, if it involves noodles and a can of cream of mushroom soup, I've had it. Yeah, well... Get rid of the noodles and put in tater tots. Oh, my God. All right. Here okay. we go. So the current prices of the book, because it's 20 years old, hardcover, $7. Ooh, a steal. Paperback, $2.75. A double steal. Kindle. There's no Kindle version. It was first published it's in It's not that kind of book. The audiobook is $11.74 or one credit. I used a credit. I think it cost me $15. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Overdrive app, free okay. if it's available at your library. It might be. It's old. It might be. Um, so I am going to read you a little bit longer of an introduction about the author because she has such a compelling story and, and it's relevant to the book.
1: We know who she is, but I'd like to know her
0: credentials. Sure. Yeah. But also I didn't, I knew she was like a powerhouse force because I'd seen her on Oprah growing yeah. up and she's been all around, but I didn't Homegirl actually know. has been know. through it. She has. Okay, let's And I hear didn't it. actually know her story. So this is from a mixture of Wikipedia.com and a bit of my own distillation of her bio on her <laughs> website because it is so long. This is a this is from Wikipedia and the mind of Misty Stennett. Susan Lynn Orman, okay. also known as Suzy, but it's spelled S-U-Z-E. Yeah. And it makes me want to say Suze. suze. Uh, so I'll probably make that mistake sometimes. You lose. Okay. <laughs> Lisa's fired. Okay, is an American financial advisor author. That's better than fifty percent of the jokes I throw out on the podcast. No, I <laughs> can't not. say anything. It's terrible. Uh, Susie Orman is an American financial advisor, author, and podcast host. Okay. In 1987, she founded the Susie Orman Financial Group. The Susie Orman Show began airing on CNBC That's in right. 2002. That's right. Running for 13 years in the U.S. and internationally. Remember, people call and be like, "Can I buy a home?" And she'd be like, "No." <laughs> Orman has written nine New York Times bestsellers about personal finance. She was named twice to the Time 100 list of influential people, has won two Emmy Awards and eight Gracie Awards. Orman has written, co-produced, and hosted eight PBS specials, and has appeared on multiple additional television shows. She has been a guest on the Oprah Winfrey show approximately 29 times. Yeah, she
1: and Dr. Phil are like way up there. And
0: Larry King Live over 30 times. Orman is currently the podcast host of the Susie Orman Women and Money podcast, okay. which I'm going to have to listen to.
1: Oh, that's going to be your jam.
0: I mean, am I just going to be like wildly wealthy six months from now? Let's is this the last? Now. Is
1: this the last? I'll I'll hear from you
0: next time. We're going to do a podcast uh, for microphones covered in diamonds. So she had a speech impediment growing up, which also made it hard for her to read. So now okay. we're just going to dive into her backstory, okay. and she struggled in school. So she put herself through college at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Hello, hello, that's your alma mater, that's, right?
1: Uh, my for my grad school, but that's where I was born. Yeah,
0: raised. Um, but when she got there, she told them she wanted to be a brain surgeon. But a counselor looked at her grades and was like, "You don't have what it takes. Like, why don't you try something easier? You're a woman and you're dumb." Yeah. So she signed up for what she was told was the easiest major available, which was social work. Okay right so she was supposed to graduate in 1973 but her degree was withheld because she hadn't fulfilled the language requirements so once again she says it was the shame of my grade school years holding me back okay. she says if I had trouble with English what made me think I could learn a foreign language okay so she decided to leave school without her degree okay. she wanted to see America she was this young 20something so she traveled the country for months with a couple of her friends living in a van
1: down by the river
0: mm-hmm just all across the Many US rivers. and then a Eventually uh, got a job at a bakery where she made about $400 a month. So she was a waitress for seven years at this bakery till she was 29.
1: One credit shy or two credit shy. Right.
0: And she finally, but she had the shame of not getting her degree for so long, she finally took Spanish classes and got her degree. Great. But it's really interesting to think that people were like, do something easy. You can't make it. She's got all this shame about, like, success. She's going to live in a van and work at a bakery. So after seven years of waitressing, she says, I had this thought that I could be more than just a waitress. I wanted to own my own restaurant. Okay. I called up my parents and asked to borrow $20,000. And they said... My mom said, honey, where do you expect us to come up with this? We don't have that kind of money to give you. I should have known better than to ask for something I knew my parents didn't have to give away. Okay. There's nothing a parent wants more than to help a child realize a dream. I knew my mother would have done anything to help me, but she was powerless and I felt awful. Uh The next day at work, a man I had been waiting on for seven years, Fred Hasbrook, noticed that I wasn't my usual cheerful self. What's wrong, sunshine? You don't look happy, he said. I told Fred about having asked my parents for a $20,000 loan. Fred ate his breakfast and then talked to some of the other customers I'd been waiting on all those years. Before he left the restaurant, he came up to the counter and handed me a personal check for $2,000. A bunch of other checks and commitments from other customers that totaled $50,000. And a note that read... This is for people like you so that your dreams can come true, to be paid back in 10 years, if you can, with no interest. Shh. Uh, uh. Yep. I couldn't believe my eyes. I have to ask you a question, I said to Fred. Are these checks going to bounce like all of mine do? <laughs> no, Susie, he said. Like, this this is, Captain pays it from a website. SusieOrman.com. Uh No, Susie, he said. What I want you to do is put this in a money market account at Merrill Lynch until you've raised enough money to open your restaurant. No, Susie. Some of us know how to fucking manage our money. Right? So she took it to a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch who had her sign paperwork and promised to make her quick money and invested it into one of the more speculative investing strategies, uh, strategies buying options. At first, she says, I was making great money.
1: I was amazed. Yeah, but that's right before inflation and, like, all that terrible she stuff. She says, stuff.
0: I found the – per. It, this was, like – Late 70s. I forget what it is, but it was also, like, short – no, this – yeah, like, short selling and buying. It was, like, sort of day trading, I think. Some, something that was very speculative. She But she trusted this advisor. That's the point, right? She went to Merrill Lynch and signed on the dotted line and was like, this is an advisor. They'll know what to do with my money. She says I found the perfect location for my restaurant and was having plans drawn up by an architect. My dream was within reach. Other people believed in me and lent me more money. We were off and running. That is, until the markets turned. Within three months, I'd lost all the money and the account. All of it. I didn't know what to do. I knew I owed a lot of money. Lisa is having a panic attack. I knew I owed a lot of money and I knew I had no way to pay it back. I was still only making $400 a month. I want to die. Absolutely. It's relevant to the book, though, and her whole philosophy. During this time, so Susie tried to learn as much as possible about what the financial advisor had been doing with her money and teach herself about stocks and trading, et cetera. To emulate it? I hope not. Well, no, just to, like, understand yeah, it or yeah. see or, like, take more control of her her money. And okay. she thought to herself, well, if that guy, his name was Randy, if Randy can be a financial advisor, then so can I. First of all,
1: never give a man named Randy your money.
0: <clears throat> that, everyone knows that. So – Susie goes and applies for a job at the very same office that lost all of her money. So during the interview— she was like, here's the thing.
1: Y'all owe me at the very least a job.
0: So she was interviewed by five men. Okay. And then she got passed up to the branch manager— During the interview, the branch manager actually shared his belief that women belonged barefoot and pregnant. Yeah, they do. Seeing that I had nothing to lose, I asked him how much he'd pay me to get pregnant. He said $1,500 a month. And to her astonishment, he hired her. Though he also said that he figured she'd be out of there within six months. So to this day, she's convinced she only got the job because he had a woman's quota to fill. Okay, so she said, how much would you pay me to get pregnant? Yeah, I don't. It's I copied and pasted from her website. Okay. It's confusing. Yeah, she says I was never so scared in my life as the first day on the job. I knew I didn't belong there. All the stockbrokers drove Mercedes, BMWs, and Jaguars. I drove a 1967 Volvo station wagon that I bought when I sold the van. They parked their cars in the parking lot. For the first six months, I parked my car in the street because I couldn't afford the lot. I would get tickets knowing that I'd go to court and ask to work them off with community service. The other brokers would eat out at fancy restaurants after the market closed. I got in my car and went to Taco Bell every single day and ate by myself, to which I say I relate. I say, why didn't you pack a lunch? I know. Still, I so felt... So you know, would have saved you money. Still, I've... And she, it's funny. She says that in the book. Still, I felt so lucky and blessed for even though I was terrified, I was also excited. It was while studying to make, uh, to take my Series 7 exam, which is a test all yep. brokers have to pass yep. in order to sell stocks, that I read a rule that stated that a broker needed to know his or her customer meaning, which means a broker could not invest a person's money speculatively or risk their money if the customer could not afford to lose it i had told randy that i couldn't afford to lose my money that i was saving up to open a business that all the money was loaned to me i realized that randy had broken this know your customer rule and he had filled out paperwork to make it look like she could lose the money she Yep, so she says, "'I marched into the manager's office "'and told him that he had a crook working for him. "'He told me that I was a college graduate "'and I had to know what I was doing "'when I signed those papers. "'Besides,' he said, "'that crook made him a lot of money. "'He told me to sit down, shut my mouth, "'and keep studying.'" I went back to my desk. I remembered that when I was hired, the manager had told me I wouldn't last six months. That was just three months away. What did I have to lose? What had happened to me was not right. I had time to make that money back. I was still young. But what if Randy had done this to my mother or my grandmother or an older person? My conscience wouldn't let me keep quiet. I ended up suing Merrill Lynch while I worked for them. Now, what I hadn't realized at the time was that because I had sued them, they couldn't fire me. Who knew? Oh, because it would
1: be uh, um, retaliatory. retaliatory, Yeah, yeah.
0: Months and months passed as the case proceeded, and during that time, I became one of the more successful brokers in the office. (laughs) Before the lawsuit made it to court, Merrill ended up settling with me. They paid me back all the money plus interest, which allowed me to pay back all the people who had loaned me the money.
1: Within the time frame? Oh,
0: yeah, because that was, was less it? than 10 years. That's Yeah, amazing. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so she did, I do want to say, though, she did have some controversy around a prepaid debit card that she, like, advertised and promoted and I okay. think helped develop uh, to her followers in 2012, which had hidden fees that people weren't expecting okay. and was, like, collecting data. And it ended up being discontinued in 2014. She's also received criticism for making misleading statements about her credentials, and achievements, notably her teaching stint at University of Phoenix. I don't know more about that. It was okay. just cited on okay. Wikipedia with like four citing things. Um but in 2016, Orman was appointed as the official personal finance educator for the United States Army and Army Reserve. Great. And in 2018, she began serving as a special advocate for the National Domestic Violence Hotline to help spread awareness regarding financial abuse. Yeah. Which is a huge, huge way thing. people when are impressed. When
1: people only give you like $20 a week.
0: Like you don't have any control of your money, so you can't leave. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a very, very real form of abuse. It so It is. Susie's motto is people first, then money. Then things, people, money, things, yep. So first impressions, the cover just has a lot of brown on it. It's very oh, I mean, it's very it's very two thousand. It's a picture of her face. It's like light brown with dark brown writing. and it's it's very look, it's forgettable, okay? How many pages is it? Three hundred and thirty eight. And the audiobook is two hours and fifty two minutes long. You're a dream. Is it read by Suze? It's read by Suzy. Um, but she even talks about her her speech impediment, which instead of saying like, shouldn't, she still says shouldn't. You know, like these things shouldn't bo- shouldn't bother you, but I find it charming. I think yeah. it's very sweet. I
1: do know her voice. These things shouldn't shouldn't bother you. Isn't yeah, it's kind a of her? little yeah. nasally. She has like, and her, it's very. She like her mouth moves very like. It's a lot specifically. of mouth movement. Yeah.
0: Yep. That's it. Specifically. Yeah. So as far as my first impressions, there is a theme song at the beginning of the book, and it is outstanding. What is it called? Who can, it's like, no, it's up to financial freedom. I don't know. There's like a whole theme song. <laughs> I was expecting it and it was very exciting. Um okay. What I liked about the book is that she starts off with psychological financial principles. Okay. And then she toggles into the nitty gritty of investments, insurance, sure. but it's a bit scattered in the way it's organized. Oh. It, but it felt more wholehearted to me than other financial books that don't address fears or psychological behaviors around money like dave ramsey can shout at us all day long about Hope you, you sh- like the car and he's like you should be saving not spending and it's like right but what if that urge to spend comes from a fear of xyz right okay, yeah so the premise of the book is that conquering fear is the success to financial freedom. The Conquering fears,
1: fears yeah. is the success is the, f- key the key to financial freedom. To financial freedom. In
0: other words, most of the limiting factors to financial success exist in the walls we've built up in our own minds. And achieving success lies in knocking down those walls. But again, okay. this was published twenty years ago. But I don't also, think that's a super intersectional thought. No, but also this
1: is very different from like what's her name who was like every hour is life force and
0: you have to decide what you pay life force. Mm. You were talking about the book your money or your life? Yes, yes, exactly. So these books all tackle the same subject and but come out in different ways. But different things. Yeah. So I like this to cherry pick. So Susie Orman takes this idea and subdivides it into nine steps that you can walk yourself through in order to find the source of those fears, root them out, and remove them from your life. Okay. So in other words, this book isn't strong on the actual mechanics of personal finance, although she does cover a a lot of the nitty-gritty. Uh-huh. But it is strong on setting the psychological stage for strong habits. Okay.
1: And this was her first book.
0: I think it was her second. (gasps) Okay. There was one – yeah. So I like this because it was like what – when she was really hitting it big, what was she saying? Great. Um, It's also heavily anecdotal. So if you don't like that, this book could frustrate you. What were the things that we talked about in the Oracle and the
1: supermarket, whether it's like a closed or open system, whether it was like anecdotal Mm. or evidence-based?
0: Right, right, right. So – Yes, yes. Well, there are like studies, and she has actual clients that she references yeah. versus just like in my experience. Right. She does urge you to seek professional opinions. Okay, great. She does say, like, do your own research, that kind great, of thing. Great, so it's definitely an open system. Open system. I love that. Um, so the nine steps are one, seeing how your past holds the key to your financial future. Okay. Two, Facing your fears and creating new truths. Okay. Three, being honest with yourself. Uh, Four, being responsible to those you love. Uh, Five, <laughs> not interested. No. Five, being respectful of yourself and your money. Pass. Six, trusting yourself. <laughs> oh, Six, trusting yourself more than you trust others. Okay. Seven, which I feel like is so in your wheelhouse. Right? Seven, being open to receive all that you are meant to have.
1: Okay. Eight,
0: understanding the ebb and flow of the money cycle. Nine, recognizing true wealth. Do you hate it already? No, I'm teasing. Book? Okay. I mean, yes, but no. So we're going to fly through this, people. Guys, Misty just stripped. I did. I also, un- okay, so I took up my sweater because it's hot because we don't put the AC on when right, we're recording. Right. Also, I unzipped my pants so my belly can hang loose so I can have a more relaxed voice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Step one, seeing how your past holds the key to your financial future. The focus of this section of the book is very straightforward for almost everyone, she says. There is some key memory related to money in their past that is particularly vibrant. Yeah, like when I dug up that pirate's treasure chest and had it stolen from me at, at Saber Point. Saber point mm-hmm. is so fucking funny, at least. Saber point. The chapter gives several very strong anecdotes and gives ideas for teasing out that key memory. Right. I mean, so, I was able to come up with it right away, but okay. I appreciate it. One of her, her. listeners, mm-hmm. and this is so crazy, or one of her readers, she tells a story about how this young girl, or her parents owned a store mm-hmm. and they would put all their cash in a safe at night. Sure. One day, the store caught fire. Everybody got out okay, but her dad could not bear the thought of the safe full of money. He ran back in. He ran back in. He risked his life to go get the safe full of money. But by that time, it had so heated from the fire that he carried this burning, scalding safe out. And when he finally set it on the ground, like, very graphic, right? A lot of his skin... Was did burned die? off. It came with him. He did not die. But that was that memory. That like, okay, money's more important than anything. Money is else. worth
1: risking your life for,
0: <clears throat> right? Or another memory. This might have been the same. Or another memory um, is like, people. This one listener got rooted, moved every year or two because her dad was like, "Well, we're going to move somewhere else, but we'll be able to make more money." And so this particular listener was like, "Okay, I can never." She lived her life as an adult as though she would always be moving away and never settled in well, because like that's this, what was the better more opportunity important. is yeah. opportunity
1: is more important than roots.
0: Yeah, exactly. So this idea that we all have like a key memory or memories that yes. create this belief system. Like
1: once I swallowed a quarter and I learned that pooping is more important than not pooping.
0: That's it. No, that's it. Mm-hmm. And I think you should journal about that. I did. Um, so, so that's the kind of like strong anecdote she supports these things with. So she says, why would you want to tease out that memory? Childhood memories, particularly strong ones, are layered in feelings of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Those memories are the moments that defined who you were as a person, and true understanding of those memories can bring about significant insight into your adult life, mm-hmm. um, which is what the second step deals with. Okay. Uh, so she says, think back to your younger days. Were there events or words spoken to you that influence your attitudes towards money? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dead men tell no tales. One time I was given $20 by my mom. 28 20 Okay. I was at, I think it was called Silver Dollar City in Missouri. It was like <laughs> a theme park in Missouri. You're welcome. You love it. You love it. You're here for it. Keep going. But like we didn't have a ton of money and my mom gave me a $20 bill yeah. and was like, enjoy. And yeah. I was like, oh my God. It's so- a great
1: way to make a child an economist. Great. Because you're like, everything is so expensive. It was a
0: water park or like a theme park. And I just had like loose jean pockets. And you bet, I lost that $20 bill. So not only did I not get to enjoy this day, I had to go to my mom and be like, I lost it. You know, it was just, it was devastating. It's like something that I remember right now. I remember the shame and the guilt right now. So even something as small as that is a big deal. Especially when you're a family, she tells another anecdote where... You know, people are like, "Hey, I trust you. Here's ten dollars. Go out and buy bread. We really need bread for dinner. It's a big deal." Da da da, da. and then like one listener just lost a ten dollar bill and came home, and there was no bread for dinner, and there was no money, there was no change, and it was, and everybody, nobody said anything harsh, but. They internalize that. I know, I know. Lisa has the saddest look on her face. Is it's this so why sad. you duct tape your wallet shut every time? That's why. It's, I don't even use a wallet anymore. I duct tape the bills to yeah. my torso. And you
1: people, you get stopped. People think that you have a bomb on you.
0: That's right. But that's how seriously I take my finances. So, step two. Uh-huh.
1: Uh huh we we've, we've figured out like what our early memory, childhood memories yeah, 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 are. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So Susie says. In my experience, most people's biggest problems in life, even those that appear on the surface not to be money-related, are directly connected with their early formative experiences with money. So already this is this book is taking a much more holistic or, like, <laughs> yeah. deeper view. Two of
1: the people are like, I was abandoned by my mother. It's about money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I you... was abused. It's about money.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Sissy, well, I, might... I don't think she's saying that, but she's just saying even even ones. Oh yeah, it's the wording of don't appear to be money related. is problematic. Okay,
1: step two. I was run over by a car. It's about money.
0: It's that person was on their way to work. Money. That's right. That's it. <laughs> Listen, correlation does not equal causation. Hey, people.
1: nice work. Oh, <laughs>
0: I wish wish you all could be in the studio (laughs) with us. One of these days we're going to have to do like a live stream. I hope not because my hair is always so greasy. Is this why we love podcasts? Because like no makeup, my pants are unbuttoned. It's like we're living our best lives. I mean, it's terrible. Sav's been naked
1: this whole time. Yeah, Sav has, we just require him to be naked. And also he sees us at our absolute worst.
0: And he still loves us, I think. Or maybe... It's because we pay we him. We pay him. All right, here Okay, we go. step two, phasing your fears and creating new truths. The second step is really just an extension of the first one. Once you've teased out that memory in detail, you can dig through it to see what exactly it says about your personal views on finance. The, the mechanism that the book uses for teasing out these meanings uh, is to make a list of your current fears. What are you afraid of? Spiders. <laughs> regarding money, oh. once you're able to actually rich they'll, they'll carry them away. The spider will
1: buy my house right <laughs> out from under me. Uh, it's not just spiders, it's rich spiders. Rich spiders! I'm afraid a spider's gonna drive up in a teeny tiny Tesla <laughs> and
0: blackmail me for all I've got. Let's say, you there, girl. What day is it today? And I go, ah, talking rich spider. Once you're able to actually be honest with yourself and list your fears, the things you're afraid of, comparing these insights to your memory can be very insightful. Quite often, the memory explains the root cause of your fear. Once you understand what exactly it is, you can begin to tackle this fear in various ways. So does she give an example of this? Susie suggests the traditional idea of a mantra that you repeat for comfort and confidence. Spiders cannot buy my home. Spiders cannot buy my home.
1: (laughs) That's you know what, I shouldn't make it negative. I live in peace with spiders. I live in peace with spiders.
0: No, I, can't. I can't. Oh it's You're right. So it should funny. be about money.
1: Spiders, I, I make spiders rich. I make spiders rich.
0: No. Spiders and I can invest in a mutual fund together. Oh yes. That's it.
1: Spiders spiders invest in fruitful, fruit flyful in money schemes. Keep going. Lisa
0: Linke, everybody. I've lost. Keep going. (laughs) Make the connection between your memories and the fears that followed. Perhaps you're afraid of losing everything and becoming a bag lady. Maybe you fear that if your spouse leaves, you can't support yourself.
1: Flophouse in Duluth. This was Damby Dan. Thank,
0: Thank you. Flophouse in Duluth. Do you fear losing your job and being qualified for nothing else? After you articulate and face those fears, retrain your mind by replacing your fears with new truths. Susie grew up with the belief you'll always have to do without so you had better Learn how. Okay. So instead, she created a new truth for herself by writing about 25 times a day I am young, powerful, and successful, producing at least $10,000 a month. So she's right. She's <coughs> working in affirmations. Right. Which a mantra's never worked for me. I don't like them. I'm not there for them. Okay. What? I'm going to give you a mantra. I am open to mantras. Ugh, I hate it. God, I hate it. Lisa has the biggest shit-eating grin on her face, like, she, like literally, her, she just threw her head back and her tongue stuck
1: out, like well, because you were <laughs> you were so valid, <laughs> girl, and watchers never worked for me. I
0: hate it. I'm
1: not here for us.
0: Is that what I sound
1: like? I mean, I've exaggerated like
0: a tenth of a percent. It's not not what I sound like. Okay, I'm gonna mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna try and be like. A cool I'm just like, um, a cool relaxed. Chick, yeah. like whatever you say. I sound like a, uh, an educated woman, not, not like a valley girl, but like oh like a um articulate. <laughs> Listen, her old belief had crippled her with fear and feelings of inadequacy. Her new truth encouraged her with a message of endless possibility. Okay. So you repeat this to yourself until you believe it and are changed. You by repeat it. it to yourself. I don't want to. <laughs> Step three: being honest with yourself. Okay. The basic idea is that most people don't have a real grasp on what they're spending or what they're bringing in. Fine. And quite often, people are spending more than they're bringing in without really realizing it, which this is creates not groundbreaking. It's not. It's also twenty years ago. That's true. Um, which creates severe financial problems over time. This is pretty typical, given the consumer's lifestyle that so many of us live. Um, so she says, we can't take control of our finances until we first take stock of our financial condition. In order to do this, yeah. we must discover how much we spend each month. Mm-hmm. Only then can we compare our income with our spending and know mm-hmm. how we're doing financially. Mm-hmm. So um, she says most of us deceive ourselves into believing that we need um, about 1000 to $1,500 a month less than we actually do to live the exact same way we live right now. We say that again. So we're deceiving ourselves. Most of us underestimate by about $1,000 or $1,500 how much we actually need to live at the level we're living. okay. Right? So, so we we're think like, it's cheaper to yes, live how we're living yes. than it actually is. And her experience. Got it. So why is our projection so far off? We forget to include expenses that don't occur every month, like new glasses, vacations, yes. insurance premiums, like DMV renewal, birthday yeah. parties. Things
1: that aren't, that aren't um, constant overhead. Yeah, that always yeah. seem
0: to surprise us, but like-
1: Not fixed costs. The
0: birthdays are always there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the solution is first determine how much you're spending, tally up all your ATM statements, canceled checks- credit card statements, and anything else you need to discover how much you've spent over the last two years. That's a hot no. Well, honestly, now that everything is electronic and there's a lot of, like, your debit card will have an electronic summary typically, or your credit card will offer a service, and you can do this a lot more quickly, Yeah. make categories for each month, such as automobile, food, et cetera, and then divide each category by 24 to discover how much you spend on average per month in each category. Fine. Second, add up all your income. All of it, alimony, interest, rental income, blah, 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 blah. Ooh, alimony. Thank Ooh, you. Ooh, thank you. Hey, Daddy. Third, somebody had a tweet the other day that was like, me, hey, Sky Daddy, God, I wish you'd stop praying like that. <laughs> that's hey fucking great. Hey, Sky hey, Daddy. Hey, Sky Daddy. <laughs> oh, maybe that's hard. Okay. Third, so God, attractive... you're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, he's like, please stop it. Um, in subtract- <laughs> I also love the idea that someone's trolling God. Yeah.
1: What's up, sky, sky, daddy? sky daddy? Talk to me with that white beard. Oh my god, we're going to be struck by that. Okay. Here we go. Okay.
0: Fourth. Uh, so then you subtract, you find the difference between your income and spending. That's math. Fourth, if you find that you don't have enough money to meet your obligations, oops, save And give the way you want, then you've got two options. Make more Uh or spend less. Uh, What if you save more? But this is all about I'm not able to save as much as I want. What if you, like, play the lottery? Yeah. Yeah, that's a fast-proven, reliable way. Thank you. Um, What if you just ask Sky Daddy for (laughs) it? Dear Sky Daddy. Can you see my cleavage from up there? Oh, gross. I don't know why that one got me. (laughs) Why? Why was that a bridge too far? I
1: don't know.
0: I don't know. I'm going to ponder that. Great. That's your homework for this week. Thank you. Okay. So perhaps you need to seek a new job with better pay. More likely, you need to spend less. Yeah. Look over your spending in each category to decide exactly what you want to spend. Yeah. For example, on food or clothing. You may be shocked to discover that by bringing a sack lunch to work three times a week instead of sack. eating out all five times per week, sack, you can save a substantial amount over time. Sack. It's a plosive, too. Sack.
1: Give me that sack. I love a big sack lunch. I love a big brown sack.
0: I love having sacks lunch. for lunch. <laughs> she also talks about this concept.
1: <laughs> we have really <laughs> okay. run amok with Skype. It Daddy. has devolved.
0: We've got to get through this. We're on step three. Okay. So what I liked about this chapter is this concept of found money. Yes. So she says how you can find extra money each month by taking little steps that you won't even notice. So for example – Cut and color your hair every nine weeks instead of every eight weeks. Sure, it can you, save you sure. two full haircuts a year, yeah. which could be three hundred dollars. Right. right, that's which right. Which over time, I love it. Adds up. I love it. Um, you'll be amazed when you add it up. Or like if you decide you can file your own taxes instead of going to an advisor, or right. there are all these little ways where you're like, oh my god, I found an extra thousand dollars this year that I can save. Yeah, by doing that or pay down So debt. remind I love yourself it. of your specific changes in spending by posting the categories on the fridge. Or place a yellow sticker in your checkbook. That's a little remnant. Thank you from the non-digital age. I still have checkbook. Yeah. Well, no, I do too. Because that's how my but we don't expects. balance our checkbooks anymore. You don't need to, because yeah. you can see how much you have in your yeah, yeah in your app. Um, if you are fortunate enough to pay for and be able to afford a smartphone. Yeah. So basically, this is very simple. If you find you want want or have spent more in one category than you've allotted for the month. Spend less than another. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gives a ton of examples in that. Step okay. four, being responsible to those you love. is gross. This is perhaps my favorite chapter I mean, of a yay. financial book I've read so far. <gasps> okay. You're going to love it. All right. Are you ready? Don't make promises to me. Susie repeatedly encourages people to contact an expert for handling the things she lays out and not trust her book. Okay. Which I thought was great. Yes. So for all of this, this is where she reiterates her motto, people come first. Okay. So all we've talked about is like taking stock of your financial situation and figuring out your fears. And then you'd think she'd be like, so here's what to do with your money. Nope. She goes, people come first. That means you need to provide for those you love in case of disablement or death. She's fucking great. Yeah. So she spends over 80 pages discussing what we're about to discuss in detail um, she spends 80 pages.
1: We're going to spend 80 minutes in, everybody. That's right.
0: Set up a good will and or trust. If you own property, a business, or have children, a will might not be enough. Right. And she talks about why. Consider transferring your assets into a revocable living trust. Yes. But she also talks about what that is, how that works, and why it's different from a will, and how it can help you. Great. Although you can do it for yourself, Susie recommends hiring an attorney to do it for you, which can cost anywhere from like a couple hundred to about $1,000. But
1: that way it's done right.
0: Yes. So she explains how a revocable trust means your estate, property, money, whatever it is that you're protecting, can immediately go to those you're intending it for instead of getting caught up in court with lawyer's fees and probate, Probate. et cetera. Because people can contest a will. Sure. Any family member can go, actually, I think the house should have gone to me and not my sister. And so now we're tangled up in court forever. Um, she shares a story about how uh, a man's wife passed away. She got terminally ill, passed away. They thought they'd done everything they'd need to, set up everything to take care of him and their kids with a will. But after she passed, the woman's mother decided to fight the father for custody of the kids. So he had to sell the house, to their pay. dream house, that they'd spent five years fixing up to pay for the lawyer's fees, et cetera. Yeah. And if she'd had a revocable trust, it never would have happened. Yeah. So she also says have a durable power of attorney. It, um in force for health care. Mm-hmm. So you need to specify what your wishes are mm-hmm. in case an accident or illness puts you in a vegetative state. I've talked about this on this podcast before. Yes, we have. And she says, do you want your life unnaturally prolonged or not? Who will be your agent or agents to make a decision if one has to be made? She cautions us that by the time we need to make a decision like this, it's already too late yeah. to fill out the paperwork. And by the way, it's an awful position to put someone in yeah. to guess. Yeah. Um, So we've got to do it while we're healthy, and of sound mind. Have adequate life insurance. And again, this is all financial stuff because death costs money. If you don't have uh, adequate uh, life insurance, how does your family get by for a year if you were the breadwinner? Yeah. Right? So, So this is all an ounce of prevention and really powerful stuff. Rule of thumb is that you need about, she recommends, $100,000 of life insurance for every $500 of monthly income you currently require. So if you, if if you, your if you live off of $2,000 monthly income right now, you need $400,000 life insurance policy Great, to be well covered. Great. Um, You won't need life insurance by the time you're 65 years old. It also <clears throat> sounds like that's for like a sole earner yes yes Great. agreed but yeah so but you could also do this as a couple right if right, you like right. you get $200,000 in life insurance and then okay, you get two hundred. Yeah, that's right yeah. that's right and these are policies so like a $400,000 life insurance policy might cost you $35 a month yeah it depends on your age your health are you a smoker and it depends on where if you're able to take that out
1: like I love yes. that she's putting that early in the process because yep. a lot of people focus on paying down debt first yep
0: but she, but it's people this, come first. But it's this idea that this is actually going to prevent your family, put the safeguards in place because they will prevent future debt if you do these things. That's people it. first. Yeah. Um, so she talks the reader through the different kinds of life insurances. Oh, cool! And what what might make sense for each situation? And she says that for the vast majority of people, term life insurance. Makes the most sense.
1: I love that. Here's I feel like this is also 20 years old, so people might want to just advise yeah. with a, a, a life insurance Which list. she says at
0: the beginning of the chapter. Great. Go meet with someone for your own situation. Yeah. This is uh, what I think you will completely agree with. Get long term care insurance. One out of three people above the age of 65, one out of three, will spend some time in a nursing home. The average length of stay is 2.9 years. It can cost upwards of $4,500 per month. That's low. Yeah, which is low. This was 20 years ago, right? So Mm -hmm. think about it now. It's seven, eight grand a month, whatever that equates to. Long term care insurance will pay for that, as well as home health care. If it's in your policy, get it when you're about 54 years of age. She says, if you can afford this because it is expensive, get it because all that money that you saved for retirement can be eaten up in a, in a year. Yeah, yeah. Right. If, if you're, you have a stroke or your yeah. partner has some sort of disability. Or we could just have socialized health care. Oh, my God. Get long-term disability insurance. Workers' compensation covers you only if you're injured while performing on your job. That's right. So this is all about estate planning. And this is not sexy stuff, but this is actually the stuff that can make sure that all that money you've worked hard for goes to your Mm -hmm. dependents, Mm -hmm. goes to your heirs. Mm -hmm. So she makes um, very strong cases for these revocable living trusts, et cetera. And this is all things you want to do if you can afford it. And she keeps saying that. If you can afford it, do it. Okay, step five, being respectful of yourself and your money. The focus of this chapter is getting your own basic financial house in order, putting plenty into retirement, getting out from under any high-interest debt, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's pretty basic in terms of arranging personal finances, like pay off your credit cards as soon as you can, take advantage of every dime of, empl- of employee matching, and your optional retirement plans, like your works 401k, et cetera, um, and max out what you can put in a Roth IRA. None of this is brand new stuff. Right, right, right. Um, so she she was fascinated when she was like consulting for a whole company mm-hmm. and there were all these people who had been offered early retirement and a lot of them made the exact same salaries and when she was going over different employees like what does their current financial situation look like? People fell into two categories. They had about $150,000 in retirement savings, or they had about $400,000 in retirement savings. Mm -hmm. And these were all people who'd worked at the company about the same time, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So what was the difference? The difference was the people with only $150,000 had only put in the minimum of what the company matches every month. Yeah, you got to match. And the people with $400,000 had maxed. Yes. So she says... She, so she covers a ton of stuff in this chapter. If you're self employed, um, how you can set up your own savings plan. So that's a SEP, a Simplified Employee Pension Plan, a KEOF or Mm K-E-O-G-H and a SIMPLE, which is a Savings Incentive Match Plan for employees. So she really gets into the nitty gritty of how you can set yourself up for success, whether you work for a company, self-employed, et cetera. So if you want to hear about that, read this chapter. Um, She says, here's the, the main problem most people must overcome with paychecks and savings. The more you make... The more you spend. The solution lies in the corollary. The less you make, the less you spend. There is a simple and remarkably effective way to make yourself spend less. Save uh, more. Yeah. Um, you invest more. So by putting more money into your retirement accounts, mm-hmm. your take home check will be less mm-hmm. and you and will quickly train yourself to spend at a lower level, just yeah. as you used to when you were making less money. That's right I personally feel that the smartest thing you can do if you do if you're if you're living okay, on what your salary is, and you get a raise, just set it up so that that money automatically hits your investment account so that your take-home pay is the same, but you're investing more.
1: Yeah, I mean, if that's you kind of tough, you know? Like It is.
0: E- that that comes from a privilege. Like, if you have debt to pay down, maybe you want it to go to the debt. Yeah. Maybe, Or maybe yeah. you're like, I've been living on fucking ramen noodles for yeah. the last six years. I want to be able to buy organic vegetables. You know, it's all about your own value system. Yeah, yeah um step six trusting yourself more than you trust others so now that she's given us financial advice for how to manage our money this step focuses on building wealth and mostly about trusting your gut okay and she she talks about um this time she actually talked her mom out of an investment that her mom felt really good about and her mom lost a bunch of money overall the stock ended up um oh yeah the stock ended up doing super super well uh but Susie like tried to for a while i'm i'm fucking up this story but basically her mom didn't trust her gut it turned out okay in the end but her mom would have made like way more money if Su- Susie suzy did not interfere okay. um so she says if you know you sh- you should do what's right for you and not be swayed by what everybody else is doing if mm-hmm. you don't feel comfortable investing in the stock market don't, don't. do it mm-hmm. if you don't feel comfortable selling when everyone is selling or buying or when everyone um is is into a hot stock don't Don't do it it. it's easier than you may think to take charge of your own investments rather Mm -hmm. than paying an advisor to do it for you um and then she answers the question like should you go with managed or index funds she says she would just stick with index funds if you don't want to be actively involved with watching everything Mm -hmm. about the funds um step seven Being open to receive all that you are meant to have. This is the most woo-woo chapter of the book. Okay. This step focuses on the fact that money in and of itself doesn't really bring happiness, but that happiness can bring money. Um, Wait, She says, hold on, let me scroll down to a note down here.
1: But like, so, well, I mean, I guess it makes sense in that like, if you are, you know, happy cows make more milk. I'll say that.
0: Okay. Is there a study to back that up? There is. So she, there's a part here where she says money is a living entity and is drawn to those that respect it, which really oh, bumped me. That's a new thought. Really bumped that's me. That's a new thought. Um, but So Susie discovered that giving to those in need, she made herself happier and ended up receiving more. And she actually talks about – she says – she was looking at clients who consistently had larger returns of money and were making more money, and those were the ones who were giving away to more charities. Is there a study to back that up? Nope, just her own statistical analysis. Um, So she looked over her clients and discovered the ones who gave regularly have more money than those who didn't. But it's also like a chicken and the egg. Like, do they give more regularly because they have more money, right? And do
1: they give more regularly because they – and, the, and they have money to give. Yeah, exactly. They can tithe and give to charity because they are frugal and have money to give.
0: Right. Whenever she got new clients who were hurting financially and thought they might be open to the concept, she encouraged them to begin giving. The results were unbelievable, uh, unbelievably positive, she says.
1: It also could be that if you are spending money because you don't feel whole,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that giving money could help. Make you feel like you need less money. Or just, like, could help you feel good in some way that spending can't. Yeah. Spending on things can't make you feel a way that helping yeah. could.
0: Right. It, or it could change a belief like, oh, I guess I do have more than I thought because I'm doing okay and I'm giving to charity. Yeah. Right. yeah. So I really like this part of the chapter. She warns against giving to friends mm-hmm. and relatives. Mm-hmm. She says your parents are a different story because mm-hmm. we're there's – this respect and this idea that we're we're supposed to take care of parents as we age and that's okay that can be your monthly giving if you want but she encourages like anonymous giving to charities Mm -hmm. but she again this is people first money second Mm -hmm. she has seen even very friendly loans change friendships forever Mm -hmm. because she's like look even if it's going well and they're paying you back there's still this idea that they owe you something and that you're waiting for the money to be paid back and it's
1: you know I, i think everybody learns that lesson in their 20s
0: yeah, I, I didn't have money to loan in my 20s. I yet. loaned a friend
1: money, and he never paid me back, and he bought me gifts. And I was like, instead of buying me
0: gifts... Give me $50. Give pay,
1: Make a payment on the loan. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And the interest is a bougie candle. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Step eight of nine, understanding the ebb and flow of the money cycle. Yeah. This step is merely the realization of the fact that much good can come from the bad times in our lives. That <clears throat> She talks about that money... No matter how smart you are with investing, no matter how careful, how frugal, it's going to ebb and flow. Yeah. It doesn't matter what what stage you're on. And it's like the stock market. Sometimes it's up. Sometimes it's down. And you it's just like, got to ride that wave. It's like a penis. It's just, it's flaccid, it's hard. Sometimes it's up, You're sometimes it's down, it. and you just got to ride
1: that penis.
0: And keep getting it checked for STDs. So quite often, the mistakes one makes in life end up being the foundation for much greater things. So I, I really loved this concept of like, look, you'll be down in money, and sometimes that will mean a period of personal growth, and something really good can come out of that. Like for her, getting losing all that money – Now she's this like world famous advisor. I guess like how
1: Ali Wong said signing that prenup scared the shit out of her and it forced her to work the hardest she's ever worked.
0: Right. Okay. So Um, the threat
1: of of not having any money.
0: Yeah, and just this idea, it just was really freeing to be like money's cyclical like anything else. It's gonna ebb and it's gonna flow. And if you just have that in your mind when things come up and disaster strikes, you can just go, I'm on an ebb and it will flow again. On an ebb. You get it. You liked it. Hashtag on an ebb. Hashtag on. What came first? The chicken or the ebb? No. I yes. See, that's what I was saying. About I love it. you saying it. funnier No, when jokes. I say no,
1: it's because it's a groaner. It's a good pun. Thank you. Puns are designed to make people groan.
0: Thank you. What came first? The pun or the. Step nine, recognizing. <laughs> We're on our last step. Step nine, recognizing true wealth. The final step is the simple recognition that the truly valuable things in life are not monetary. Okay. And she talks about this in Your Money or Your Life as well about how, like, nothing can buy, can replace community. Oh my well, Or friends. Right? I enjoy <clears throat> buying friendship. I'd rather be alone. And covered in gold.
1: I'd rather rent a movie by myself with my favorite food and not, and not
0: bother. I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to smell anyone. I don't want to I just want to taste anyone. my
1: money. I just want to taste my money and listen to the movie the way God intended. On surround sound. <laughs> <laughs> High quality premium speakers. My theater. On a sound bar in my own
0: personal home theater. I love the way you keep looking sideways when <laughs> you're speaking like that. One day you'll be old, looking back at what seems important in retrospect. How dare she? How dare... In L.A., we stay young forever! At that time, what in life will have been of the most value? Money. (laughs) Life's abundant. Um, Probably not your net worth. Money. So don't measure your self-worth by your net worth. Money. Decide what's really important in life. Money. And put it first. Money. All a bad bitch need is some money. I'll babish need some money. I don't Rich really need spiders. the D, I need the money. <laughs> Rich
1: Spiders. If I, mean, I meet a man named Rich Spider, I will lose my damn mind.
0: Oh, that's so funny. Also, I just imagine like you sitting on the couch eating popcorn and you've got all these spider friends who are taking their little eight legs and they're all munching on a little popcorn. Rich. Yeah, but it's dipped in gold. It's dipped in gold. The true path to wealth comes not from having enough money, but from having inner peace, y'all. I don't know why, but Rich, rich Spider
1: definitely wears loafers, like boat shoes.
0: Oh, please make this a meme for and this dockers. Rich Spider. Rich Spider. in uh, a cardigan, like an old man cardigan, but one that you know costs like $200. You can tell from the weave. You can tell. You guys, so that's nine steps to financial freedom. Yay! Practical and spiritual steps so you can stop worrying. Okay,
1: Misty, did this book need to be written?
0: Well, hold on. I just want oh, Lisa's done. Hi. I just want to say we can't cover every single thing in the book. We know that. If you want to read it for yourself, Buy it's available it. on audible.com, Amazon.com, Suze Orman, excuse me, Susie Orman.com, which is S-U-Z-E-O-R-M-A-N.com. It'll be in the show notes. Um, and she has all her other bestsellers on there, yeah. resources, yeah. long, long blogs about herself. Yeah. So that's it. Misty, did this book need to be written? <laughs> mm, hard to say because 20 years ago, maybe. Okay. I, I what I love about her is that she has been such a role model for female independent wealth
1: and for bedazzled uh, clothing
0: yeah and she also came out as a lesbian Mm -hmm. which is very cool which is not something that's like very relevant to you know uh, her brand but I just thought it was cool that she she has gone against the grain or popular culture you know to Mm -hmm. just be this outstanding person who's like this is what I believe and this is how I manage my money and I'm like a strong woman and I really love that. Isn't that how she talks? She like she like
1: closes her hands. Oh, I don't know. She like hand pinches. It
0: looks like, like, like a cute little claw.
1: Can't you can't buy that house because you can't afford the you mortgage. You shouldn't buy it. She also has my favorite thing called playing house, which is when you think you want to buy a house for six months, you have to live playing house, meaning you pay the mortgage. Um, what the more estimated mortgage yeah, would be yeah, yeah. in addition to paying rent and all of your other stuff. And if you can afford that, then at the end, of, without being like, we have no money for anything. Yeah. Then at the end of six months, you'll have like a nice little nest egg. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I didn't realize that
0: came from her. That's cool.
1: Uh-huh. What did you think that <clears throat> Suzy Orman got Right.
0: I really like this idea of examining, like, where some of your financial beliefs come from. It's not something I'd read in a book before. Rich spiders. Rich spiders. And I do think it's really powerful because then you can take action. You can leave peppermint bags all in your drawers to scare the spiders away. (laughs) Now they're just rich spiders with good breath. That's right. Well, apparently they hate peppermint. So like one of my aunt's hacks is like buy a whole box of peppermint tea from Trader Joe's, leave those little tea bags all around the house and in drawers and it'll scare them away. Um, let me tell you what I tried from this book. It's actually oh. what do you think she got wrong? Oh, I don't like the woo-woo stuff
1: with that money. came in. I like also don't
0: think money. I don't think everybody can give. Yeah. I think most people are not in a place where they can give. Um They
1: probably are, but it would be creative. You'd have to give. You have to give up certain other <clears throat> things in order to give,
0: right? I, I also think there's this idea, you know, about doing something nice for a stranger once a month. That's teeny tiny. Like, if you live in a place where there's a toll road, you can, and it's a two dollar toll. You can okay. say, "Hey, I'd like to pay for the person's toll behind me." Mm-hmm. That's it. Or you can like leave a dollar duct tape to a vending machine for the next person to come along and have a free snack. You know, they're like, that's not charity. Yeah. But it you can do sort of small deep, I don't I'm know. curious
1: about your what you have against charitable giving.
0: Oh, I have ongoing donations to the ACLU, Thank you. Planned Parenthood. Thank you. Uh, most years at the holidays I adopt a family from UCLA, Great. the Medical Center. Great. I got nothing against it, baby.
1: Okay, we'll we'll delve into why you hate it so much later. Um, <laughs> what did you try if anything from this book and so, do I have homework?
0: Um no, I don't want to give you homework. Okay. Because it feels too personal to, say, uh, examine a financial fear. And also we've covered so many financial books on the podcast. But something that I I did do after reading I Will Teach You to Be Rich and The Total Money Makeover, which we covered mid last year, um, is, is that idea of like you only spend what you see. So I automated investments. I went into uh, my Vanguard account and I was like, hey, it's only a few dollars every week. But every week I have a few dollars pulled from my checking account into my Roth IRA. Two dollars just a couple of dollars um and i also my i was i finally became eligible for my company's 401k plan congrats and was like okay great so there's a, there's max. a few more dollars that is taken out of my paycheck before that ever hits my bank account mm-hmm. so these automated processes like if i had to log in and be like okay i'm sending $50 to my mutual funds this yeah, week you would, it would be you would forget. exhausting i would be like oh my god i'm you spending would too much oh my god yeah but now it's like I just log in and see what I have in my account because I haven't touched anything. It's not there. It's been one of – and I look at my savings and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm doing better than I thought I would if I hadn't done that. So automating has been really, really fun to watch. Great. And it was only painful to set it up. Okay. Right? Um, And not too painful, I would imagine. Honestly, it's it's a big mental load to be like, okay, I'm gonna set up this automatic transfer and how much can I afford? And to call my four oh one K company and be like, Hey, let's set up a thing and which invest like which fund do you wanna do it in? Like, I don't want to minimize. It's exhausting. Right. But you but if you, you do can, it once, you do it once. Yeah. And if you go in being determined and kind of having a plan, but it's easy to get overwhelmed. But, yeah. like, self-care, take breaks, yeah. eat snacks, okay. and do it. Lisa is now measuring yeah, the width I have to of have the thing. Five You're inches. so good. Whenever I knit something, I'll do, like, a stitch or two too long, and it'll, like, balloon out and go back in. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can just correct. Yeah. You're amazing. This is
1: my little, he's a little fox. You're amazing. Do you see my little tape measure? He's a fox. <gasps> I love him. Um. Okay, Uh. so I think that's it in terms of questions. Yeah,
0: and, that, well, the thing I really loved about the book Uh. It was about taking care of your loved ones. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think this book is perfect for anybody who wants to learn more about the nitty gritty of that stuff. Because I know when someone's like, do you have a living will? Do you have an advanced care directive? Like if you're like, that's scary and I don't know what that's like. Mm -hmm. Listen, she really explains it very simply. And I liked that a lot. I will
1: say I do. I don't know if I want to learn about those things from a finance person.
0: Agreed, but if you want to understand what they are and a brief overview of what they mean,
1: along with everything else, this is a nice with their, purchase. And and, that. You,
0: and she really explains again how that fits into a healthy financial yeah. picture yeah. and why it matters. Yeah, yeah. So I think this is this is a really good introduction for people who are like, "What the fuck is a SEP?" Like, I didn't know what a SEP was. That's... It's short for September. Thank you. Um, okay, well, Misty.
1: Yeah. Thank you for bringing us yet another in the inimitable, <laughs> inimitable. Uh, 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 d- 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 series of financial books. God,
0: and is all, thank you. And it th- I love them. I know you do. I'm going to try not to cover another one for a while, but if anybody has tips and tricks of like, here's how I quote unquote find money each month. Like, here's my I look in the cushions. Ch- I look in the cushions. I sneak it out of I my friend's just pocket. Just take a peek in my when dog's If she's to the bathroom during a podcast, I take some out of her purse. Wait. Whatever works for you, what? write to us. Let us know. Go help yourself podcast at gmail.com.
1: May your savings and your financial planning, and your charitable giving.
0: Finance.
1: Be abundant.